the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to the Bruce Hooley Show. We have talked a lot about the dysfunction in the Ohio House, and I'm trying to do it in a way so that, you know, I don't overwhelm you with it, but I know that national government stories are, you know, much more easy to digest than state politics. But someone who keeps as close an eye on it, probably a closer eye on it because he's closer to it than I do, is our friend Aaron Baer of the Center for Christian Virtue, whose offices are located right downtown, and that is strategic near the State House. And so Aaron joins us now, and you can uh, donate to CCV at ccv.org, support their work. They are aligned uh, with me and with you on making sure that our schools are not indoctrinating our kids, but are educating our kids. And they have taken it to the point where they have even started their own school, which will allow Aaron to tell us about here momentarily. But first, Aaron, uh, we thought we were in great shape when we had uh, strengthened supermajorities in the Ohio House and Senate coming out of the midterm election. But I have not spoken with you on air since about the uh, coup staged by Jason Stevens to become Speaker of the House. And my biggest fear related to that was that that means the death of the backpack bill. So what do you what do you uh, think is going on at the State House, And what do you think is the future of your legislative agenda and mine as it relates to school choice? Yeah, you know, Bruce, appreciate you having me on. I appreciate you, you highlighting this because, again, I, I, how you frame this up is exactly right in the sense of a lot of the Washington stuff, because it gets covered all the time, people are a lot more familiar with what goes on in Washington. They, they, we tend to, to chew on that a lot more. But the reality is that the political decisions that impact our day-to-day lives more are, 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 are being made at the state house. Yep. Uh, by, by far more majorities than, than, uh, than you can imagine in, in Washington. And you know, with what just the baseline of what happened with uh, with Jason Stevens coup, if you want the, the the teaming up with the Democrats, however somebody wants to to frame this thing, uh, is that uh, the decision got made over over personalities and positions over policy, right? Um, when we talk to members all the time, we say, you know, you got sent here to do something. You got sent here because of your position on issues, right? Your stances. On issues, yeah. Uh, so whatever you're working on, uh, you know, stay focused on the issues. If you stay focused on the issues, uh, you're going to be an effective lawmaker. Well, what ended up happening was Jason Stevens and a handful of lawmakers wanted power instead of being focused on advancing issues, uh, and they cut a deal with 34 supporters of baby killing, 34 mm-hmm. supporters of sterilizing children, and 34 supporters of locking children into failing public government schools that happen to have a D after their name. And that's why we're so concerned about this. And, and the broader question of what does this mean for the backpack bill and things like the Safe Act, which bans transgender medicine on kids, we still have, when you go through and you count the members, we still have majority supports for both of those bills. We're still expecting to get those done because we're going to be holding members accountable to the things they say they care about. But at the end of the day, we, we see all too often politics getting in the way. 
Yeah, true. We do have a majority. We got 45 or 44 Republicans, but that's not 50. We need 50. So how do we attack it? Because I get super frustrated, invented my frustration the other day, Aaron, with Iowa and Texas and Florida and South Carolina and Oklahoma and on and on and on having governors who lead on this. And I honestly don't want to put you in a tough spot. This is Bruce Hooley's opinion. I don't feel like we have a governor who leads on this. I feel like we have a governor who, hey, I got another term, my last term in office, and I want to sail into retirement. I want to coast into retirement. And I see Kim Reynolds in Iowa leading. I see the governors in those other states I mentioned leading, Ron DeSantis leading. I don't see our governor leading. Yeah, you know, Bruce, at the end of the day, I wish Governor DeWine was out there. And leading on backpack the way you saw Ducey do it, the way you saw Kim Reynolds do it, it's a great political move for them, too. This is... School choice is one of these issues. Honestly, just like things like transgender medicine, uh, opposing transgender medicine, uh, is is actually an incredibly popular issue. So it, it would make sense for them to be out there doing it. At the same time, we know they both. We, we know uh, the governor and lieutenant governor are supporters. And our view at CCV uh, is, if we get this bill up to their desk, they will sign it. They could make our life a whole lot easier by coming out and saying, "I want this." Next week, the governor has his state of the state address. Uh, and I hope and pray that he puts the backpack bill in there. If he were to do that, that would that would be leadership like we've never seen on this issue before in the state. Uh, he also releases his budget first before the House picked it up. If he releases, he could put the backpack bill uh, in that budget, and that would make our job a whole lot easier. At the same time, I feel really confident if we get this passed out of the House and Senate, he will sign it. We're going to just continue to drive it through both of these chambers, even with a speaker right now that got elected with 34 Democrats. Aaron Bear is our guest, executive director of the Center for Christian Virtue. You can uh, see what CCV is all about and what they're doing on your behalf at ccv.org. I'm really at a loss for words how some of the legislators in Ohio sided with the Jason Stevens over Derek Maron speaker vote. Is it a pure, I want power, I want great committee assignments, so I'm going to go with the guy who promised me that? Or do we have a third of what should be a solidly conservative Republican caucus who are more aligned in their legislative beliefs with Democrats than they are with conservative policies. This is so hard to say exactly what each one of their motives is. I will say it seems impossible for me to square it because I had, I had a number of these lawmakers. Somebody that their district is in your uh, listenership here, uh, Representative Tracy Richardson. Mm-hmm. She came up to me uh, and she said, "Aaron, I you know I promise I will never compromise conservative principles. I will never compromise faith, family, and freedom. Um, but I just felt like this was the right thing to do." which is hard for me to wrap my mind around. What she did was she lied to her colleagues and broke commitment on her caucus vote and sided with 34 people who oppose all of those values. This is the thing I kept coming back to. These 34 progressive members in the Democratic Party, these 34 liberal members in the Democratic Party, they're not just going to side with Jason Stevens just because they think he's a nice guy, right? They, They recognize they are a super minority, and they have no ability to affect policy in Ohio whatsoever unless they get commitments from somebody else. So they, you know, Jason Stevens and everybody keeps saying, oh, we didn't make any commitments, we didn't make any commitments. That's hard for me to believe. Why else would these 34 Democrats go along? And don't give me process or things like that. That's a hard thing for me to believe that they just went along with Jason because they think he's a nicer guy. No, I think what this is is that, Conservatives have two issues that they can hide behind to authenticate their conservatism. 
abortion and guns. And they feel like they're bulletproof on those two. So, you know, they're not going to promise the Democrats that they'll do anything to expose themselves as people who are against Second Amendment or against pro-life items. But, but they can promise the Democrats on education that they won't touch it. And that's what I think they did. Because we look at the contributions. Jason Stevens got a big contribution from the teachers unions. And that, to me, is a huge red flag, Aaron. No, that's that's exactly right. And, And Bruce, I do think it's worth pausing, and because you know, if we think back 20 years ago, we could think of a lot of anti-Second Amendment and pro-abortion Democrats, right? That, that or Republicans rather, right? Yep. And so I think there, I think there is a, a pause of like, hey, listen, conservative grassroots, we've done a great job of making uh, abortion and guns necessary issues, right? That that even now establishment members. Are coming. I mean, think about Mike DeWine for goodness sake, right? He, he used to back the Brady Amendment, but now he he signed concealed carry, right? We've we've really moved that line. That that shows the power of conservative grassroots. We need to keep pushing it. We need to put education in there. We need to put things like these transgender medicine bills in there. We we need to continue to move that line. And say, listen, this is the bare minimum here, right? We need to put going after big tech in there, right? There, there's things like this that. Uh, the more we as the conservative grassroots can say this is the baseline of what it needs to be, the better off we'll be. Unfortunately, we're not there yet, and we have we have these issues getting sold out right now. Aaron Baer, Center for Christian Virtue, support their work. We certainly do. We appreciate all that you're doing uh, to preserve life here in Ohio, and uh, we will have you back on uh, as soon as it fits your schedule, Aaron, to keep voters informed what they need to know so that they can hold their elected representatives accountable there in Columbus to do what the voters want them to do. I don't think 22 of them are doing that. And uh, so we are allowed to speak out against that and uh, to hold them accountable on it. I appreciate you coming on the show, and I hope you have a great day. Hey, you too, Bruce. I think he's totally right on that. We have had, quote-unquote, conservative lawmakers for too long have a shield. Well, I'm pro-life. Well, I'm pro-gun. Great. We need you to be pro-education, and we need you to be, in that same vein, pro-truth get rid of the LGBTQ nonsense, the fealty to that, and to have a Larry Householder top aide hired by Jason Stevens. Do you need a clearer demonstration that Jason Stevens is not the kind of politician who will enact a conservative agenda? So we have a bit of a mold breaker. Story you've heard Many like before, a black man pulled out of a car and he gets into an altercation with police or he perceives he's in an altercation with police. He runs, police catch him. The altercation escalates and the next thing you know, the person who was in this altercation is either severely injured or dies. And uh, then, of course, we have Al Sharpton showing up, and we have Ben Crump showing up, and we have uh, allegations of brutality, and we have calls for calm. All of that is happening in Memphis right now. What does not fit the mold here is that uh, we're not getting a bunch of national media attention on it. We're hardly hearing anything about it. Why? Why do you think? Well, all five officers, by the way, have been dismissed already. Police chief says that the body cam video is going to be uh, heinous. 
It shows, according to her, reckless and inhumane treatment and a disregard for basic human rights. So there's an admission of guilt by the police chief. All five officers are black. Very strange story. So I don't know where it's going. I don't know if it'll get national headlines or not, but it certainly departs from the uh, typical narrative on these kinds of things when they captivate the national headlines. I also would not expect very many national headlines to accompany the Hunter Biden story that Miranda Devine of the New York Post was talking about on on uh, Tucker Carlson last night and the Hunter Biden story that she is writing about in the New York Post. Because right now is not the time. Eventually, my prediction is CNN and all the other major networks will get on board reporting this story because, well, it's kind of hard to ignore a story when it reaches right up to the Oval Office at the White House. And that is where I think the Hunter Biden, Joe Biden classified document scandal is going because, well, just listen to Miranda Devine. She's talking about, remember, she's the one who wrote about Hunter Biden's laptop from hell, the one that has all the pictures of him doing coke and crack and cavorting with prostitutes and all the emails to his business associates, pretty much proving how the Biden family is exceedingly wealthy because they trended on Joe Biden's name, power, and influence and have been for decades. Well, one of the emails on Hunter Biden's laptop does not read like the other emails on Hunter Biden's laptop. One of the emails on Hunter Biden's laptop reads like a classified document. Hmm. Classified documents were found from Joe Biden's time in the White House in the garage at his Delaware home. Who had access to that Delaware home? Wouldn't you know, Hunter Biden. So here's Miranda Devine last night on Tucker talking about what's in the document and why she thinks, hmm, contrary to the president's words, there's quite a bit of there there. This email is like nothing else that Hunter has written in the entire nine years covered by the laptop. It is extremely long, 1,300 words. It's very detailed, very well informed, well written. Um, You know, it reads like an official document, even it reads like a classified document. There's information in there that's not readily available. He sounds very knowledgeable and uh, very breezy about it. And you have to remember that this is at a time a month before he joined the Burisma board. He needed money desperately and because uh, to feed his drug habit and uh, they were going to pay him $83,000 a month to do not very much and obviously they were paying for his proximity to his father and he was showing as he never did again uh, his value to them and of course having access to classified information um, would make his price much higher so uh, that's sort of the motive for it now, in case you're wondering, if you ever want to negotiate your own million-dollar-a-year contract, you do uh, require $83,000 a month to be paid a million dollars. <laughs> I find that to be a nice round number in terms of monthly compensation to get you to a million dollars annually. So the email was written on April 12, 2014, from Hunter Biden to his then-business partner, Devin Archer, who a couple of days later met with Joe Biden in the White House. Oh, boy. Uh, the email talks about Russia's, quote, destabilization campaign. 
It talks about U.S. sanctions toward Ukraine and United Kingdom energy policy. A source told CNN the classified documents found at Biden's private academic office, among other classified papers, contained U.S. intelligence memos and briefing materials on Ukraine and the United Kingdom. Well, what do you know? One week after the email was sent, Joe Biden, vice president at the time, met with Ukrainian Prime Minister Arseniy Yatsenyuk. And a week after that, Hunter Biden and Devin Archer were named to sit on the board at Burisma Energy Holdings. Hmm, I've never read a classified document, but Ron Johnson, senator from Wisconsin, has. What does he notice about this email Hunter Biden sent? Uh, what's very interesting is uh, the news reports now are, are highlighting an email that Hunter wrote to Devin Archer on April 13th, 2014. Uh, it reads, from my standpoint, uh, I mean, I've traveled overseas, and you get uh, what they call scene setters from the State Department. It reads like one of those scene setters. Uh, highly detailed information in terms of Ukraine. This is when uh, Devin Archer and, and uh, Hunter Biden were trying to get on the board of Burisma and, you know, get their, two, you know, three, four million dollars worth of payday. Hmm. Ron Johnson went on to say, it is very obvious that Hunter Biden is selling access to information. Does that have anything to do with some of the classified documents that Vice President Joe Biden was squirreling away in his residence? I don't know, but it looks incredibly suspicious. Yes, it does. It does look incredibly suspicious. And it provides the Democrats really the perfect way to get rid of Joe Biden. And they can say, look, look, look at us. We care about ethics. See, Joe Biden has already accomplished everything they wanted to get out of the last drop of his political career. And that is he kept Donald Trump from getting a second term. They do not need Joe Biden anymore. They don't need Hunter Biden anymore. They don't need the Biden family anymore. What's going to stop them from using Joe Biden? Abusing Joe Biden. What is going to stop them? They're going to feel sorry for Joe Biden. Joe Biden's grifted off the public dole for more than a half a century. He got to be vice president out of the goodness of the Democratic Party's heart. Because Barack Obama needed a statesmanlike senator to balance the ticket they don't know joe biden anything you think it's above the democratic party to play dirty do i have to go back through the steel dossier financed by the clinton campaign you think that oh, oh well joe's been a loyal democrat they're not going to go after him really give me a break matt mayor opportunity ohio up next with a major major announcement if he goes the way i think he's going don't miss it Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.